Hey everyone, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain it to you. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'll be listening. Welcome to Visibility Unlimited. I'm Leslie Short, your host and owner of The Cavo Group. We work with companies and organizations to expand beyond their current culture. Visibility Unlimited discusses topics focusing on diversity, inclusion, leadership, culture, and current events. Look out for my book, Expand Beyond Your Current Culture, out January 2021. Enjoy this episode and remember to subscribe to stay updated on future podcasts. Hi, I'm Leslie Short, owner of the Cavo Group and host of Visibility Unlimited Spotlight. Our video alternative to our podcast, Visibility Unlimited. Please welcome my guests. I am, as always, excited to have my guests. You all know me by now. I say that all the time, but you know I have some good guests. Jay, Mia, and uh, why do I always mess up everyone's name? I always get to one name and mess it up. Adriana, welcome, welcome, welcome. Our topic is... Who's in charge of the black card? We've been having these conversations that's really spun out from holding up Time Magazine from Naomi Osaka and her documentary. It said uh, that because she was playing in the Olympics for Japan, that people start saying that they were evoking her, her black card. Then we have um, Alfonso Romero, who, um, uh, Rodriguez, who I'm messing up his last name, Carlton Banks from... The Fresh Prince of Fresh Air um, of Bel Air. He, I, well, I'm really messing up his his whole thing because uh, I think he's in a whole different category of him writing about not having a black card either. So, Jay, you and I started this conversation on the street in Brooklyn on a Saturday afternoon, and the other ladies joined in. You are Japanese, African American. T- you tell your story. And do you have a black card? <laughs> Hi, Leslie. Thank you for having me here. Um, maybe should I give a short introduction of, I guess, who I am, a kind of what I do? So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've known each other through my father, um, but I don't work in his field, which has been photography and production. I work in kind of in fashion. I do a little bit of work that ties into inclusion and diversity and equity. Um, and that's another way in which Leslie and I relate. Um, but yes, I do identify with having an Afro-Caribbean and Japanese background. I've been very fortunate enough to have a very support, um, supportive family and friends. And I, I guess like those who work in academia. So I've never, I wouldn't say have had a very crucial or negative experience with my identity, right? Or had a huge identity crisis. But of course there have been some, or lots of hiccups along, I guess, my journey growing up. And of course, one of them has to do with the black card, which, you know, I guess maybe, I don't know how long it's existed for. I've been made aware of it through black Twitter, maybe five years or so. 
Um, and I do think I have our own, I guess, ownership to a black card. And I think if we're if we go back to Naomi Osaka's identity and her particular, I guess, crisis around her black card being revoked due to her white playing for Japan for the Olympics, it's quite a it's quite a huge conversation. I think there's lots of I guess complex aspects of this that haven't been really I guess tackled or addressed, um, as well as the nuances of what it means to be black. What does it mean to be black in America? What does it mean to be black? I mean, Afro-European, what does it mean to be Afro-Caribbean? Mm -hmm. All these different types of forms of being black or blackness. And I think that we'll kind of uncover that today with two of my good high school friends, right, from high school. So I guess we'll get into that. Absolutely. So Mia, please introduce yourself. And hello, hello. Do you have a black card? <laughs> And there's a reason I'm asking this. <laughs> there's no doubt about the fact that I have a black card. Um, <laughs> um, I am Guyanese and Native American. Um, I was born and raised in Queens, New York City. Um, my whole entire life, I lived in various areas of Queens. Um, I currently work for the concierge team at um, one of the largest law firms in New York City at Kirkland and Ellis. I work at their midterm location currently. Um, but I don't specifically work and do in any D and E I work, but you know, it is something that I have studied and, you know, with Adrienne and Jade and, and our past, um, you know, work that we've done previously in school and our studies that we've have done. This has been a large discussion, um, you know, throughout our lives and just experiences in education and just like our everyday lives and the conversation that we have all the time amongst one another. So I think that, you know, it's really important to have this conversation because I don't think it's necessarily something that it's something that's spoken about enough. Um, and because it's such a complex conversation to have, I do think, you know, that it is something that needs to be spoken upon. And I think that's a great platform to do it on today. Wonderful. Thank you. Adriana, we're going to start. We'll go to you next. Welcome. Tell us about yourself. And do you have a black card? Hello. Um, I would hope so, you know, because if I don't have one, then I don't know who I am, right? But um, I'm Adriana. I am in education right now. I'm an eighth grade science teacher. I do have plans to continue to do DNI work with my future um, career-wise. Um, like Mia and Jade, I've been extremely interested in these topics. I think it's very important for us to have discussions like these because one, how can someone make claims about someone else's identity? That's wild. <laughs> and then two, um, I also studied on, in undergrad. I did Africana studies as my major, and I intend to pursue that in my second master's because I'm currently pursuing a master's in education right now. Wonderful. So let's open up the conversation, ladies. So I asked, do you have a black card? Because I remember... I know, Jay, you said maybe this conversation started five years ago. Well, I'm much older than you all. We just going to put it out there like that and then step back for a second. Um, and I remember on the school bus, which I rarely took, I had a Twinkie thrown at me. And I was told, you're an Oreo. You're not one of us by the black girls in the back because I danced ballet and because I was on tour. So therefore they felt that my black card maybe was a shade of gray <laughs> or, or something else, but that I didn't have a black card at that moment. So let's have the conversation. What are the criterias for a black card? Who knew there was a committee? Any of you know where the committee is? <laughs> That's I don't know them. <laughs> I, I don't know where they're at, but um, 
and I can't really lay out the criteria other than being black. Like, you know, if you're, if you're black and you know you're black, then you have the card. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that there's any other way to give out that card other than that to be a part of your identity. I don't know what you ladies think, but. I agree. I think that there is like this idea of like a shared experience that everyone has or not everyone, but black people have that creates this identity of this black card. And uh, like Jade and I were talking about earlier, we kind of realized that because, you know, earlier when she asked the question of, are we talking about the race card or are we talking about the black card? Mm -hmm. Black people don't necessarily have the luxury or the privilege to utilize the race card in everyday life. So we have the black card. Like many things, we create our own and we use it amongst ourselves to be able to have familiar amongst ourselves. But in doing so, we divide ourselves. And I feel like that is kind of what really gets into the revocation of cards. And then, you know, it gets into the stickiness of just like, you know, well, that's black and that's not black or that's wider. It, it, it starts into breaking down into this whole entire thing. And I think that's where it gets a little bit more complex. Absolutely. Because if you have some, someone, some ones, right, that has done a criteria that no one really understands or knows, then one small step and your car can be evoked. Because that's what I'm almost starting to feel at this moment. Now I could be wrong and I'm not gonna say black Twitter or Twitter, I'm gonna say Twitter in general, black, purple, yellow, and green, your black card can be evoked very quickly. And I understand that there is a common, is it a common, you know, I like to push you all. Is it a common thing because we are, all of the same shades hmm. or is it, because we can't say it's common that we all grew up the same or is it the fact that we understand the black experience not understand it we have all lived it in different sense what do you think i just had a thought and i don't know if jade wanted to say anything so i didn't mean to cut you off if i did but i just had a thought like i think that one, if the black card, the black card has been around for a long time. So I'm not one of those people that believes it came it came into play like recently, because I've heard from when I was younger, all of these artists have a black card. So and so did this, so they're black. Like uh, Clinton, they said that's the first black president. Please, you know. Yeah. But what I do know is that historically, we weren't originally the only people that were able to decide, especially in America, who were able to decide whether or not an individual was black. You know, so in my head, I'm thinking, is this like our trying to reclaim the ability to identify black individuals? So mm -hmm. instead of allowing white people to say, all right, cool, one drop, you're black. We're saying, okay, no, I take that back. These are the parameters. The only thing that's really difficult is that the parameters are not clear and they're not public. So no one knows what they are. Absolutely. Can I play the devil's advocate? <laughs> I would also say, do you think that it's also us giving a definition to white people of what blackness is because there is no clear definition of what blackness is because we can go on forever and a day about just the question of what is blackness? Well, no, because I don't think white people even know that there is a black card. So I think they do. I, think they do. I, I, don't, I don't think they do. 
I, I think they, no, I honestly don't think they do. Not in the sense of the way that we have the conversation about it. Because mm, they always want to get invited to the cookout. Yes, but they just want to be down, <laughs> as they would say. Mm. Having the black card to stand in your blackness, whatever that is to each individual black person, I, I, I would say instead of a collective or what it, some people want to make it, they want to they want to be down and be in the mix, but they have no idea that we're giving cards and taking cards. You know, is anyone saying to them, your whiteness is, is more, you know, you get a white card. No, for them, it's all whatever that is. I don't know, because we don't really know what's happening with that either. But to give a to hear people say, well, you don't have a black card and here is why without any type of you're going to play for Japan or you're with a white woman or a white man. Like there's a whole unspoken list that isn't reality. I, I don't, I don't know. Jay, you had things to say. No, I kind of wanted to go back to Mia's question, kind of asking this idea of like what, really defines this idea of a black card or I guess everyone's question at the end of the day and it kind of scares me and why I say it scares me is because we've talked about how I guess in one aspect it can be exclusive towards the black community black people right but at the end of the day it can also be another way in which we might be kind of limiting ourselves or stereotypes from Eurocentric standards to who can be part of and who cannot be part of, right? Mm -hmm. So once again, because Naomi Osaka is playing for Japan, does that mean she cannot be or cannot identify as being Black because she's not playing for the States? Because and someone else has decided that. Someone, not yeah, her. Not her. Yes. <laughs> once again, the other conversation of allowing other people to kind of di dictate, I don't even want to say dictate, but take control over someone else's identity, which is another scary aspect because we should have full control over that ourselves. Kind of, it's, it's a bit worrisome because I wonder how much of our identity has been processed to once again, these Eurocentric and white standards to create this definition of a black car within our own communities. Right. I think it's, I think it can be a very celebratory aspect of our lives. Right. right. There are certain things that I think other people from other races and ethnicities and cultures cannot relate to. And that's okay because we're all different in our own, in our own regards and our own ways, which is good. But I think there's also the other aspect, which is how is it, how, how can we create a way to kind of, I don't know, define ourselves in a very, I guess, in a way that doesn't allow for much space for growth or change as we're, as we're always changing, as we're always growing, but having, right. mm -hmm. no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, go on. I want to no, hear. You said that. And on one side, we, we, we scream out, we're not monolithic. We're not monolithic. We're not monolithic. Like, you know, stop planning something for black folks and planning it all the same way. On the flip side, here we are going, well, if you don't stay in these perimeters, whatever the, the invisible perimeters are, yes, we're going to take your card away. I want to play another advocate and just throw something out there. Do you think that that is sometimes limited to like, and I don't want to get, I don't want to be in the line of fire, but to like black Americans who have this idea that they're the only black people out there, because yes. I don't think yes. that Naomi playing for Japan has anything to do with being black or American. You know what I'm saying? She just decided that since she is Japanese and she's been playing for Japan before, then she would continue to do that. You know? Like she would continue to do that. However, if we're going with the idea that blackness is not a monolith, 
and we are understanding of the fact that black people are global, they're everywhere, then there's literally no reason that this idea or her the revocation of her black card should have ever happened based mm-hmm. off of where she decided to play for. She didn't yeah. say anything, she didn't do anything other than roll into her own ethnic identity. And she stood in her truth right. of who she is. And it's bigger than, I hate to say it's bigger than identity, but it's understanding who you are and all that that you encompass, what you make up, where you start today may not be where you finish tomorrow, but all that the genes and DNA makes up, you don't get rid of that. Go ahead, Jay. Um, I kind of want to explore, going back to what Adriana was saying, and also going back to what I was talking with Mia as well, (laughs) the regional aspect of the black card, where has this come from? Where is it exclusive to and who gets to find once again, where this is, where this is pretty much happening or evolving. And going back to Naomi Osaka, right? As we, as you just said, Mia, she's been playing since she was 14. It's been a thing. She was also partially raised in Japan as well. And it's been a decision far before everyone even knew that she was this amazing tennis player. Um, it, 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 is this only on the grounds of America? Is this only in the grounds of North America? And can this expand beyond? And then once again, that also questions this idea of, are we kind of, I guess, aligning the black card to this idea of a universal blackness, right? I don't, I don't think so. Yet, yet I think in many ways, we've talked about this as well in the past, sorry, I'm making side notes with Mia, um, <laughs> that there are lots of black Americans in which we, we love to claim a lot of big figures yeah. who are black, that are amazing what they do, that are great politicians, are great athletes, are great, I don't know, pop stars and whatever, but then, we don't necessarily always associate them with, let's say, like their nationality, right? That isn't in part having to do anything with the states, right? They're, they may not be American. But then, of course, when a situation like this comes into hand, we see this another blurred line, another gray zone, another gray area that, once again, we don't have the answers to, which I don't think is a bad thing because it's opened this conversation once again. I mean, think about it. Years ago, there was the brown paper bag test. If you were darker than a brown paper bag, then you couldn't get into a jazz club. That was a black African-American jazz club. So when we speak about the black card, there's always been that distinction of color or region or um, wealth that came along with that. And again, I don't think that's a black card. I think that's a bias card to to anyone and everyone, if you're not part of this group, you can't be part of that group. But then this this car thing has really just the swell of the conversations and the last you know um, few weeks publicly, I should say, because this conversation, like we said, is not new, has really spun around that I had to sit back and go, well, who's in charge of that? And do we need a car? Because since George Floyd's murder, I have never in my life, in my 50 something years, that's all we gonna <laughs> get in the number, ever had to say, I'm a black woman. I'm an African-American woman. I thought it was a given. You, you saw me, let's move on. Go ahead, Mia. I just think that the black card, again, with the side notes, (laughs) it is very specific to America. I think that Americans, we do have a tendency to be selfish and to think that our history is 
suddenly the only history that matters, not because it is just something that we exclusively have experienced, but just because it is a light that has been shined on Black people as a whole. And because a lot of Americans don't have the insight, um, uh, a worldly or a global insight, you know, from the outside looking in instead of from the inside looking out, I kind of feel like that's why there is this conflict of like, you know, well, what does this black card mean? What does it mean to be black? Well, just because I haven't experienced this thing, does that mean that I'm not black? And that's why there's all these other questions of just like, you know, well, just like Naomi Osaka quoted, don't they know that, you know, there are Black people in Brazil, and you know, they are Black, but you know, they are also Brazilian as well. I don't think that sometimes Black Americans understand the complexity of, and to no fault of their own, but they don't understand the complexity of the difference between nationality and ethnicity, nationality and race. And I feel like that is a conversation that is not necessarily had between a lot of Black Americans. And, you know, that is a conversation that is had between a lot of Caribbeans versus yeah. African Americans versus Africans. And the list goes on. European, all of that. And I think that's partly, and that's where we get stuck, right? Exactly. Because we, unfortunately... Um, we box ourselves and don't even realize we're boxing ourselves. And then I want to shift it a little bit, but then we get a go, we're not monolithic, but we monolith ourselves. And then we go to work, right? And we shout, we're not monolithic. And to say that whites don't have, they don't know we have a black card, but they just know what they know. And therefore they have to check that box of this is their idea of what blackness is. And that's where we get lost again. Any thoughts on that? I think there's also something to say about, sorry if I'm not responding to this directly, maybe indirectly, I have no idea, but who we can have these conversations with. I think these conversations eventually can be had with everyone depending on how far we've come to do the work to understand each other thoroughly, mm -hmm. right? But right now, I feel like sometimes these, these types of conversations, I'm not saying that they need to be limited to, but I think sometimes it's important to kind of close the doors a little bit to really understand what's going on internally, right? And mm -hmm. then once we've understood that, then we can bring that out externally, but also in a way that we can make sure for all the people who don't really understand in the back, to get them on board as well. So we can all start moving forward at a pace that we're all comfortable with. And I think this is once again, I guess a huge conversation probably when we're thinking about in corporate America, right? When we think about DEI work, sorry a little bit, once again, sidebar, but um, thinking about the fact that we cannot just always enter these conversations full force. We understand that not everyone will get it. Sometimes we might close off some ears and we don't want that because that is counter-progressive, right? We have to find our way to level with each other and then move on. And I think the black card is also another interesting topic because I don't know if I feel very comfortable breaking that to my colleagues just yet. I don't think all of my non-black, right? So my POCs and white colleagues can handle this conversation um, I think to the best extent that maybe we can have in this conversation, because I think we're accounting for an understanding that there are nuances to this identity, right? There's nuances to the black card that not everyone else has yet, has yet, well, everyone else has yet to learn. 
um, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people, right? So that's just another sidebar, I guess, thinking about um, who can have this conversation. Not that nobody can not, but it will take maybe some people more time. And it will also take us to figure out how we can have this conversation with non-Black people. But look, we're still learning how to have it among ourselves and not have to feel like we have to defend something. You know, and and that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this because I do have corporate corporations and CEOs listening to this, and I want them to understand that everything is not monolithic and that conversations are are being had within, but there is growth everywhere. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I agree with that. I also agree with Jade very heavily. Um, I think that for certain conversations, if we don't actually have any answers present having these conversations with non-POCs or non-Black people in general, it's not going to be as productive because you don't, we don't even really have the answer. We haven't sorted it out yet. So we're bringing no information to them. And what we do know about this day and age is misinformation spreads like wildfire. So I think that it's really imperative for us to have these conversations amongst ourselves. And of course, like streaming these conversations no big deal, you know, because we're having the conversation ourselves. We're not incorporating other voices that actually don't know much about the experience. Um, and I think that it's really important to continue to do this kind of work on the inside before we bring it, you know, to the outside. Absolutely. Go ahead. Mia, did you want to say something? No, so, I disagree. <laughs> because look, I think all four of us in these in these boxes here can share different parts of our lives and growing up that one will connect and two may never connect. You know, the the fact that Jade, I've known your your dad before I would love to say, you know, before you were a thought, like we were together in Japan, who would have thought uh, with one other African-American man, three black people living in Japan to, to be there in the 90s and to still be friends 2021 to now, <laughs> you know, I'm going to call you, like, be a colleague with his daughter and, and her friends to be able to have these types of conversations of growth and change, but also examining who we are as a people to continue to build on who we are as a people, not tear down. This conversation is not to accuse somebody of, well, I don't know where to get my black card. Who are you to say I have a black card? But to say the reality is, if that's something that we know as a community uh, that's out there, let's have a conversation and make sure that the that the card is not a one-sided card. You know? Yeah, and I just want to add in there that I think when we're talking about like how we want to have Jade, Jade mentioned that she wanted to, you want to have these discussions, but we can't come in full force because everyone isn't on the same page as you. Um, I think that one, these conversations need to be made more accessible. So if I'm thinking that I don't know anything about this and I can barely distinguish ethnicity, race, and nationality, which, you know, for me, that's simple, but for someone, they might think all of those things are tied into one. So mm -hmm. being black is synonymous with being American, you know? So, but that's not true. So if you don't know that and you enter a conversation like this, you don't have all the tools to necessarily dissect and actually make sense of the conversation before you even give your own thoughts. So I think it's really important to like start with the basics, but the necessities. I mean, we've had a million articles on institutionalized racism, but I haven't seen a lot of work around 
just breaking down the difference between ethnicity, race, and nationality, and why those two things might be linked, but they're not the same. Right. And it's funny because I do race, racism, and racist, because those three words were being thrown around so much um, this past year that I had to break down that there are three different words with three different <laughs> definitions. And it's great. I think we do need to start breaking down nationality, ethnicity, because folks just don't, they don't know. Adriana, you want to break it down for them now? Give, give them a little something. Give them a little something. Got it. I'm going to just give you a basic example. My nationality, I was born here. I am American. My ethnicity, my family is Jamaican. I am Jamaican. My race, I'm Black, but I told you all that in the beginning. So those three things are three parts of my identity, but my nationality is where I'm, where I'm living, where I was born, my citizenship, my passport. My ethnicity is my cultural background. That could be not where I'm from or where I'm from. It depends, right? I'm Jamaican. And then my race, that's that social construct that we came up with. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. I, I, I hope that that was a nice little gem to take away from the, one of many of this conversation. Listen, so where do we go from here? How do we how do we broaden the conversation of the race card without and again, like you said, we can't have it with everyone because some folks want to defend it. Um, and this is not about defending or ignoring it. How do we expand this conversation? <laughs> mm, I can oh I'm sorry. Was someone saying something? Nope, go Jake. I I'm sorry once again, I don't think I will be answering that directly. Um, but in terms of definitions right and mm -hmm. explaining something um i'm a very big fan of terminologies the reason why i love them is because for a temporary time and moment it can explain something very clean mm -hmm. very to the point and then we can move forward with that conversation the only issue with that is sometimes we get we get stuck on that definition and then we think we always have to adhere to that every single instance and there's different and unique cases right which we can switch that up a little bit not to i guess align it with a particular biased perspective review but sometimes it's not always applicable on every single or particular context. context there you go context <laughs> thank you um and i and i think a lot about that in terms of uh the black card um, and I think that also goes back to when you were saying, let's not think of the black card of just being one, a one-sided thing. Maybe it can be a Rubik's cube. Maybe it has many different parts to it, right? Accounting for all these different nuances. Maybe we can switch it around every once in a while until it like meets a point and we think, okay, this, what, this is what works for now. And it may work in a different way later. And I think that that kind of goes back into the idea of thinking about, oh my God, wow, so much as everyone is pretty much addressed today or just now. Right. Um, and, but you're asking about how to define the black card, right? Well, I don't know if we defined it or we just say, you just defined it actually. I hate to break it to you. I hope it, I didn't. Is the, the, the definition is a Rubik's cube. Hmm. Because truth be told, it moves and it shapes because as part of our lives and careers, it, things shape and move, right? Are you where you were when you started? Some people are, some people may not be, right? Most of us begin to shape and mold it. And even if you are where you stay, where you started, that still, that doesn't take away anything. And I think the one, once again, I guess, important aspect for those who may not be black, right? 
to account for, I guess, if we're defining the black card as in a very tangible sense, the Rubik's cube, it's all these little parts are attached to one thing in the center. Yes. That is being black. That cannot be forgotten. That is the one aspect that ties everything together. Can I, can I take it one step further? Sure. Can that be humanity? Because I don't want to be judged on my blackness. I want to be judged on my humanity. Mm. I am black. But that doesn't define who I am. It doesn't define where I've been or where I'm going. But I walk in it with pride. And I think that's where that center yoke of that Rubik's Cube, that center rope of, of anybody's hum is humanity. And then we put all of these little blocks around us to continue to be able to move and to shape who we are. And then when you get all the colors together, I don't know if that's at the promised land, <laughs> if that's what you believe in, if that's the end of the day when all of it comes together. Because I would hope that it would keep shaping and molding until my last very day, that I, because that would be experience. I think that a lot of people aren't ready to see Black people or non-Black people, like we're not, sorry, POCs as being, or Indigenous people as being human that is the one big big issue that we're having today right and i'm not really sure if we can group ourselves and say that we can identify as being part of humanity we are inherently we know this ourselves we just know that the structures around us the structures above us the structures that oppress us unfortunately do not allow or enable us to do so though we know we can do that and more right we can be part of that and more i'm gonna but push back Go ahead, Mia, because I've been talking. Go ahead, Mia, but I'm going to push back on that, Jay. Go ahead. <laughs> I do think that the black card, it's, I like, even though I feel like the center of the Rubik's Cube, because I do agree that it is a Rubik's Cube because of how many different experiences that black people have as a whole, but I do think that the even the reason for having a black card is because there's a need for people to have a sense of identity. I feel like there's a lacking in the sense of identity. So these different experiences that we as a people can say, hey, you do this thing. I do this thing because there's not necessarily we don't necessarily have that sense when it comes to, um, you know, our ethnicities, like we said, because like this group of here, we have different ethnicities, but not every group has a different ethnicity. Not every group is able to have those different, it's like an identity crisis almost. Like black people are having an identity crisis. Well, it's so funny you say that, Mayor, because on a different um, conversation I had, I had all the white women tell me they had no identity that they felt they had no identity and that that's why they jump on so much to the, try to be part of the black identity because they see us having an identity and they don't. So it's, it's go ahead. But that's why we feel the need to have an identity because it's like so easy for our identity to be reclaimed by other people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy to say, well, that doesn't necessarily, in society, they have the ability to reclaim something that we own and say, well, that's not necessarily Black. Whereas, um, you know, for example, Jade, 
I don't even think, no, it might not have been you, but the uh, the conversation about chopsticks and people wearing chopsticks in their hair, that being having its own identity, having its own history, that has its whole lineage. That's a whole other conversation to have, but there's an identity there. And I feel like that is a thing that Black people are lacking, which is why we so aggressively and so are so quickly to say, well, your Black heart is revoked because you didn't do this, that, and the third, or your Black heart is revoked because you've never had this. Well, of course, no, you can't be black like i feel like that is the reason for the aggressiveness in it because we don't necessarily see these things as our own because they have the the society has the ability like i said to take that and reclaim it as something else i want to let you go yes but also like just like i ask my kids all the time but why right so why exactly do we feel this way because the reason that you and I'm not trying to speak for them, but the white women that you were speaking to that said, oh, we don't have any identity. The reason that you don't maybe identify with being white is because you were never forced to be underneath that umbrella of whiteness. You could have been Polish, you could have been Irish, British, American, whatever you want it to be. And you are allowed to move in your ethnic identity. Whereas black people have been forced to actually have a whole, so I have my black identity here, you know, and then I have my identity where I'm Jamaican, but that's not always the same. Maybe with my black Jamaican friends, I can be both at the same time, but it doesn't always work. And then, you know, I have the identity of being American when I'm getting, you know, torn apart on Twitter by black British people, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I have all of that. But what I think though, is that because one, we did not create this on our own. I think it's really important to recognize where it came from through every single time that we've been like oppressed or every single time we've had something that we had to push against, we created something else, another culture, something else that we've yeah. added to make to the freaking nuances of blackness. There's so much that goes on within blackness that we've created as a pushback. And of course you think that's cool and you want to be a part of it. However, that doesn't mean that you necessarily lack identity. You're just not unified underneath just your racial identity. Right. You get what I'm saying? With all the, and I love that. I love what all of you said, but I'm going to throw something else in. With all of that said, right? How we recreate, we constantly recreate as, as African-American people, as black people, as African, we, we recreate. Like we understand the hustle because you give us this, we'll make that, you know? I, yet what you said, Jay, bothers me because my humanity doesn't depend on anyone else. My humanity depends on how I stand within it. It's not my issue if you don't see me that way. If you come at me personally, I will have no problem informing you how I want to be treated, how I expect to be spoken to, the standards for which I feel that I deserve. And I think that's where we get a little confused as black folks. I don't need to say, I'm waiting for you to hand it to me. Or I need you to see me this way. I would have never been a black ballerina if that's the case. Because nobody saw me that way except for the one woman that took me to the audition when I was seven. And even she told my parents, don't be surprised if she doesn't get chosen. They don't usually choose little black girls. When I went to Japan, I was the first black dancer they ever hired in Japan. I went from the first black dancer they ever hired in Japan to be in a theater to the first African-American woman, American period, Kaji, to own a business with a Japanese business partner 
ranked best business of 1994. If I had listened or heard what my card should have said, I would not have done half of the things I have done in my lifetime. I will not have seen the world twice. I would not have danced for princes and kings and all those other things that I've been blessed to be able to do. So I think when we're giving out cards amongst ourselves, that it can't be a card, but a deck of cards in a Rubik's cube. When others are looking at us, let them figure out where the humanity is, but I'm already walking in it. Does that make sense to you? I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying until we start thinking that way, that our humanity is ours, then we will still be stuck waiting for someone else to give that to us. And therefore we're still looking at cards. Just to respond to that. No, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think what I was getting to in terms of the humanity aspect, right, is that as Adriana was also saying, this black card, this idea going into the creating an identity, right? That's mm -hmm. quite, it's, it's quite a generalization, right? Of course, but but going back into the idea of kind of like reclaiming an identity, right? Mm -hmm. So because it's a response to what what is thought of to not be accessible to us, we're creating a new idea of what's accessible to ourselves, right? right. So, that, so I think this is kind of what I'm going back into the idea of humanity. We know ourselves to be who we are. That's we it. understand that's it. And so I think this is a response. And I think mm -hmm. that also we have to remember that when there are these oppressive structures that there may be, right? We find survival mechanisms. We find mm -hmm. ways to protect ourselves. We find ways to overcome that ourselves. And that is, I would like to say, part of our DNA as it would be part of anybody else's DNA. But I, I think it's something to also acknowledge that I think as Black people have gone through an enormous amount of trauma, mm -hmm. have found ways to say, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. And, and in, in an interesting way, the Black card is very much part of the Black American experience and Black American identity. Though I think there are moments, and I think which we're addressing today, it's being abused, right? It's mm -hmm. being used in ways that I think are unethical as we're putting people in weird identity crises, right? Um, and also used in ways where we continue to limit ourselves once again, right? Putting ourselves in boxes, allowing stereotypes to continue to be pervasive and control our lives when they should not, and they should they should never have been there to begin with. Um, yeah. No, that's that's beautifully said. I mean, I think if you there should be many cards if that's part of your identity and authenticity and 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 nationality, all those things. Everyone should have a deck of cards. And because you have one or many, doesn't make it any less. Mm -hmm. Ladies, we could be on here for a long time trying to break this down. Um, and I would like to keep this conversation going with you. Any, any closing thoughts that you would like the listeners and viewers to, to know? Adriana. Um, just going off of what you said, that was a perfect way to close out, but identity is, multi is so layered, okay? So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, it's also important to keep it in mind that only an individual can truly claim their identity. Um, so you cannot actually sit here and decide for another individual what their identity is. When they let you know, then you know. And that's, that's the best way I can close it out. <laughs> that is great. Mia? 
No, I completely agree. I completely agree with Adriana. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Jake? Oh my God. I'm, I'm trying to think of this quote from this amazing woman who wrote basically her own think piece on um, Paul Gilroy's The Black Atlantic um, mm -hmm. and did something called The Black Queer Atlantic, I believe. And pretty much kind of picking up on this idea that Paul Gilroy did not account for the queerness of the Black Atlantic, right? And she kind of expanded on that. And thinking about this, what she did with that, I guess, kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, oh, help me out here. Oh, no, Leslie, this is your chance. Help me now. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to close off on that What? Never mind that. But this idea that kind of expanding beyond, right? She's accounting for nuances through her own perspective, but through her own identity. And she's done so in a way that's become a lot more inclusive, right? Um, mm -hmm. We don't, and one of the things that she always does is using the ocean as kind of this metaphor of being this ever-changing fluid space. We need to remember that we need to be in these fluid spaces for that progressive change coming forward. We don't have to be in these fixed, finite definitions that I think a lot of a lot of times that we've we've adhered to, but hasn't really gone us very far. Maybe we need to look to something that isn't so that isn't so easy to catch, that isn't so defined, that is that is that's forever changing. Um, that's just how I relate to this conversation. I'm hoping someone else can pick up on this and expand beyond for us. Absolutely. Look, we, yes, go ahead, me. Also to add on to Jade, I want the listeners to understand that black people like the body and the ocean of water are ever changing. We have many different experiences. And like Adriana said, we are layered people. All of our experiences are completely different and people need to understand that instead of trying to understand black people as a whole, just try to understand the individuals that you are encountering because there's no set of experiences or no set of rules or a card or a paper yeah. or anything that can really define an individual in front of you. And that's really what we should all remember at the end of the day. I love that. Look, I'll, I'll close you with the Olympics. We are fencers. We are ice skaters. We are gymnasts. We are polo players. We are swimmers. We are track stars. We are shot put. We are wherever we decide our talents lead us to be. And we are not monolithic within the Black community or outside of the Black community. So if you are trying to check boxes and hand out cards, I hope you start ordering Rubik's Cubes because that's where <laughs> that is where we're going. I'm going to use that one, Jay. That's my new thing now. I'm going to take that. Ladies, Jade, Mia, Adriana, I can't say thank you enough for an amazing conversation to be continued for sure. I invite you all back here at any time. Um, you have a home with Visibility Unlimited Spotlight and Visibility Unlimited Podcast. Everyone, thank you for joining. Thank you for watching. And thank you for listening. And as always, continue to expand beyond your current culture.